Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Monday, January the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins coaching search is ramping up. Interviews on the horizon, interviews in the books. I'll tell you what each of the results of this past weekend's games means towards Miami's coaching search. Plus, the head coaching position isn't the only big spot Miami has to fill this offseason. We're going in-depth on the quarterback position this offseason and beyond. Plus, the most painful losses in recent Dolphins memory. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the column up right now talking about the quarterbacks titled quarterback search snapshot looking ahead to all the possibilities of the Dolphins new quarterback beyond Ryan Tannehill as it looks like it's time to move on from him now there'll be plenty of details up in that column that I won't cover on the podcast today so check that out as well and of course last but not least the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcasts we continue to grow this thing for all the local and national coverage of all your favorite teams on all sports platforms 2018 was a great year for the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 promises to be even bigger but let's go ahead and turn the page here and get talking about some of these coaching candidates coming down to south florida that's another miami dolphins and first down today on the locked on dolphins podcast is brought to you by my bookie where you play you win you get paid and we had plenty of action throughout the course of the weekend on wild card weekend with a flurry of not great football games some great defense some horrendous offense some horrendously horrific bad play calling on the offensive side of the football I don't know why you take the football out of your quarterback's hands when your quarterback is Russell Wilson or Phillip Rivers or any other elite quarterback that was put on the sideline or on the second fiddle this weekend but nonetheless three coaches in these games this weekend were guys that the Dolphins have their eye on or guys that the Dolphins have been rumored or linked to as far as having them of a man of interest for the vacant head coaching position. And it starts in Baltimore with John Harbaugh, who lost a tough game, went down with Lamar Jackson. That was Lamar Jackson's by far his worst start of his career so far. And the animosity between John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens seems to be ramping up, even though Harbaugh continues to say that he wants to be there, wants to hammer out a long-term extension. C.K. Parrott, you guys all know who he is, is a big proponent that John Harbaugh is trying to leverage the Ravens or someone else, perhaps the Broncos, into a bigger deal. But nonetheless, the media continues to put this idea out there that John Harbaugh is coming to Miami or that the Dolphins are going to offer compensation for John Harbaugh. And if they do that, I don't know what the compensation would be. Perhaps a first round swap. I don't want to do that at all because you guys know what I want to happen in the first round of this class, provided Kyler Murray comes out and declares for the NFL draft. But that's a potential possibility for the Dolphins making a swap for John Harbaugh. 
But even then, it's probably going to require more compensation on top of that. That's just something I'm not willing to do for John Harbaugh. I don't see why he would want to do that and put his new team in a disadvantage and take away his most valuable resources right away from year one. But nonetheless, Harbaugh out of the playoffs. Now that conversation can start to happen if it was going to between Stephen Ross and the Baltimore Ravens. Up next, Chris Richard. He is still going on into the playoffs. His defensive backs group and passing game coordination and play caller on the Cowboys defense stifled the Seahawks offense all game long. They held Chris Carson in total check throughout the night. He was a dominant running back throughout the year, but Richard's defense was up for the task and up for the challenge, and you can see they really love playing for that guy, and he has the traits and the characteristics of a guy that you would think you don't really know because we never really know, but a guy that you would think would be a good coach at the next level, at the big stop, the big chair for him, becoming a head coach and getting that promotion. So he on the back burner for now, though he did interview with the Dolphins on Sunday after the Cowboys victory on Saturday over the Seahawks. And one of the interesting things about each of the three coaching candidates that I really have at the top of my list as far as guys that are really attainable, and that's of course not John Harbaugh, Vic Fangio, Eric Bieniemy, and Chris Richard. We'll start with Richard here, is the fact that he has a specializing trait in defensive backs. That's what he played. That's what he coached in Seattle. That's his background. He's done so much on the other side as far as being a defensive coordinator and play caller, but defensive backs are his forte. And with Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick, Boy, you'd love to see what he can do if he gets his hands on those guys the way he did the Legion of Boom in Seattle, creating the best secondary in the history of the NFL. And now he has the Cowboys secondary with Cheeto Owuze playing out of their mind at the top highest level in the NFL right now. So we'll see if he can do the same thing if he comes to Miami. Now turning the page over to Vic Fangio, he is now available and on the market and can interview and properly prepare as he said last week that he wasn't going to prepare for his interviews at all so as to not fail him doing his own current job in Chicago with the Bears. But the Bears are out as Cody Parkey doinks one and ruins the season. So Vic Fangio now available and the connection there with Miami with the certain players on the defensive side of the football. Fangio coordinated a top level defense for the Bears this year. He's done it time and time again with the Panthers, with the Niners, and now with the Bears. And at 60 years old, looking to get his first head coaching gig. If he comes over to Miami, he has... And it's sure, these players have had great talent in the past, but every linebacker crew that Vic Fangio has coached has been elite, top-shelf, top-level stuff. I would love to see what he could do with a pair of rookies, or youngsters, I should say, under the age of 23 in Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. And I think he could get the most out of those two very, very talented players who played fantastic down the stretch of the 2018 season. So that possibility is still there. Dennis Allen was the surprise, I guess, interviewer guy the Dolphins wanted to talk to last at the end of last week on Friday but the Saints still have a game to play next Sunday and they figure to go on beyond that so we'll see if that actually happens or if that was part of the hashtag tank for Tua idea that some folks were floating out there I'm not sure but his record would certainly suggest that just as I think the idea of hiring Darren Rizzi might be a one-year placeholder type of idea but nonetheless another interview the Dolphins did conduct Last weekend was Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is the man in charge under Andy Reid there. And the connection with Fangio and his linebackers, Rashad, and his defensive backs, the same thing would be the case for Bieniemy with his running backs and Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, two highly talented players. And I'm sure we'd see those guys get heavily involved, both in the passing game 
as well as in the running game. So the Dolphins definitely have their work cut out for them this week. We're going to have you guys updated on all this stuff throughout the rest of the week here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And real quick, before we turn it over to the second segment, there was a report today on ProFootballTalk.com, Mike Florio, talking about the possibility or the likelihood that Josh McDaniels is going to leave the Patriots this offseason, like right now, and take a job either with the Packers or with the Browns as their head coach. And the report is that Cliff Kingsbury, the now offensive coordinator of the USC Trojans, is likely to buy out his own contract, take the loss, and search for an NFL job. And people think that he could take the job in New England that Josh McDaniels leaves behind. I hope that's not the case. I would love to see Kingsbury tied up here with either Chris Rashad or Vic Fangio. That's my personal preference. We'll see if it happens. Like I said, this week will be very telling for us. And speaking of this week, we have a lot more to get to on the offseason and specifically at the quarterback spot. We're going to talk about that next here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. But first, a word from my boogie. The NFL playoffs are here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. I know the Dolphins are home for the playoffs, but that doesn't mean you have to be the guy sitting around with no rooting interest as all your relatives and friends sit around watching the games. Not this year when the 53rd Super Bowl is just around the corner. It really is the most wonderful time of year. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props you can imagine all on MyBookie. Because remember, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during bowl season, you got to go to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus and make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming playoff season. Use promo code locked on when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on at my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. As we went through the weekend of playoff games, watching these offenses sort of struggle to get out of the gates or to get out of their own ways, or even to trust in these young quarterbacks, once again, the veteran quarterbacks took it to the rookies. As on Sunday, Nick Foles takes down Mitch Trubisky. Of course, Cody Parkey had his hand in that. Phillip Rivers takes down Lamar Jackson. And going back to Saturday, it was Andrew Luck showing Deshaun Watson a thing or two about playoff football. So three of those under 25 quarterbacks, first time starting quarterbacks out the gate on opening weekend. Pat Mahomes takes to the field next weekend for his first go at it. And Jared Goff, also under 25, gets his crack at the playoffs for the second time. He is 0-1. But the idea about it being so tough to uncover a franchise quarterback, I don't know if that's really the case anymore because... We look at these older generational quarterbacks that are pushing towards retirement more than they are the primes of their careers, whether it's Brady, Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, whoever you want to call it. A lot of those guys are going to retire in the next five years, and there is this new influx of young quarterbacks that are pushing them out the door to kind of take over the next era of the NFL. And we really are upon, or a new era is upon us as NFL fans. When those guys go out the window, there's going to be all these new young quarterbacks coming in and being the face of the franchise. But it's not necessarily over yet because the next few crops of draft classes could provide an even bigger influx in the coming years. And that's what I'm looking at on this column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys can check it out right now. It's called the Quarterback Search Snapshot. I put a great picture of the Dan Marino statue outside Hard Rock Stadium. And it goes over the history of the Miami Dolphins quarterbacks, 
post Dan Marino era. And you guys know it now. It's been 19 seasons since Dan Marino retired. We've had 19 starters at the position. It's time to figure this out and find the option that best suits the Dolphins as a franchise, best suits the town of Miami, and gets this thing going back in the winning direction, gets this team back on the respectable path it once was, and it all starts at this position. Because frankly, over the last 19 years, Ryan Tannehill stabilized things for a few years. Chad Pennington had the magical season. Jay Fiedler was good enough to win with a great defense and running game. But beyond that, it was a absolute chaos, disaster of a position. And even those three guys, I think we all can admit, pretty underwhelming. So the Dolphins have to find a way to get off that mediocrity wheel at the position, which will get them off the mediocrity wheel in the league. And it starts with this idea that you used to really just put one resource into the position, whether it was a big trade, a big free agent signing, or that shiny new rookie. But nowadays, things have changed, and it happens every single year now, as the Browns are the most recent team to do it. They go out and trade a third-round draft pick for Tyrod Taylor, but they don't stop there. They use the first pick of the draft to get Baker Mayfield. We saw the Cardinals do the exact same thing with Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen. I guess the Bills did it to a certain extent with A.J. McCarron, and Josh Allen there, but not as much. The Jets certainly did it with Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. And then you can pretty much go back every single year for the last three or four years and find teams. The 2017 Bears, Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky. The Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz, Sam Bradford, and Chase Daniel. And it goes all the way back to 2012 when the Seattle Seahawks went for Matt Flynn, but didn't stop there. They went and got Russell Wilson, who was born into stardom almost immediately. On this list, I'm not going to read them off for you here, guys, but every single player or quarterback, I should say, that starts for an NFL team right now or the guy that is the the... I suppose the de facto starter for 2019 or the guy that ended 2018. You'll get the idea when you see the list. But the point is all these guys were acquired in different ways, but they really weren't all that different because 27 of the 32 quarterbacks that are the best on their team currently were acquired via the draft by their original team. 84% of the quarterbacks are the guys that were drafted by that team and they are still there. And nine of those 32 guys were drafted by a team that came up on the draft board via a trade to get that quarterback. So being active and being aggressive is the best way to make that happen. And that basically sums up my two key principles for finding this elusive franchise quarterback that the Dolphins have been after for, let's face it, two decades now. Number one, attack the position aggressively and in multiple facets. The draft, free agency, the trade process. This is not a position to practice frugality with whatsoever. Miami needs to sink some resources into the quarterback room. They have not done it at all in recent years, and they need to do that until they find one good enough to permit them to stop doing it. And then number two, continue that same aggressive nature once the draft target has been identified. If the guy is out there and the Dolphins are sure of it, sitting idly by would not be in the best interest of the franchise because you look at the Chiefs, the Texans, the Eagles, the Rams. Four teams all pushed their chips to the center of the table, went all in on the franchise quarterback, and they came back with Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, and Jared Goff, and now they have pocket aces at the most crucial position in the game. Also in the article, I went through and looked at the possible free agents for the next three years and the potential draft available prospects for the next three years as well. As you guys all know right now, Teddy Bridgewater is kind of the top of that free agent class, and then you have Dwayne Haskins, the prospect of Kyler Murray. Plenty more in that column for you guys there. Moving on to 2020, a huge list of names for potential free agency. I mean, they're not all going to get there because look at this list. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and then Nick Foles. And of course, the quarterback draft class, 
Oh boy, it's good. Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, Jacob Easton, so many names to pick from there. Of course, like I said, that free agent crop, probably going to be whittled down to Nick Foles at best, or maybe Jameis Winston, maybe Marcus Mariota. I don't know, retreads that really aren't worth a big-time contract or putting all your faith into as a franchise future. And then, of course, 2021. Again, more free agent names that aren't likely to be there. Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. But it's the quarterback prospects in the draft that year that three years out already kind of have me excited. Of course, Trevor Lawrence will play for the national championship tonight. That'll be his first year eligible for the draft. He'll probably have a Heisman Trophy, a couple of national championships in his trophy case at that point. And then Justin Fields, who will transfer this next season and skip out on the 2019 season before he's eligible to play in 2020 and then be eligible for the 2021 draft. So check that article out up on LockedOnDolphins.com, part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, it is titled Quarterback Search Snapshot. And in light of Cody Parkey's horrible, horrendous miss on Sunday for the Bears to end their season, the 12-4 Bears go down after a 44-yard field goal is stoinked off the upright and then off the crossbar after that. A horrible way to lose for the Jupiter juggernaut. We are going to revisit our own pain and talk about the most painful losses in Dolphins history. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. The best weekend on the football calendar, for sure on the NFL calendar. I'm going to go ahead and say an all of football is upon us next weekend. Divisional round playoffs, something the Dolphins haven't been a part of since the year 2000 and something I would love to see them be a part of because even though some of these games were played sloppily or they had poor play calling, just the intensity of those playoff games, the way guys hit, the way every play is so important, the way touchdowns are celebrated, the way big plays on defense are celebrated, I just want to be a part of that because the last time I was, I was 12 years old in the sixth grade before they had HD on TV, before I had hair on my balls. I mean, let's be honest, it's been forever and I just want to get a chance to see my team play in that facet. And of course, my playoff picks were looking good in a couple of the games, but I wound up being just two and two. I thought I had it for four and four based on the complexion the complexion rather, of all those games this weekend. The Colts, I had them beating the Texans, so that was good. I had the Seahawks beating the Cowboys. That obviously did not happen. I was surprised by that result. The Chargers take down the Ravens. I was pretty certain that was going to happen. And the Bears lose to the Eagles on Cody Parkey's miss. And like I said, the worst possible way to have your season end. A team that had three less wins than you and the Eagles now get to go home. And I was telling my fiance after that game happened, the way it went down, I just can't imagine being there being like, all right, we got this W in our back pocket. Next week, we're going to go play the Rams. We're going to beat them. We're going to be in the NFC Championship game. And then all of a sudden, 44-yard field goal hits the upright, and there is no more. Your next game is the same time as the Dolphins' next game next September. And that has just got to be a brutal, brutal experience. And that leads us in to some of the more painful memories in recent Dolphins history And I'm only going to go as far back as 1994, as I'm sure most of you would as well, because in 1994, I was just seven years old, and I really was a bigger fan of individuals back then than I was of teams, of course, and being as that was, I was a Mariners fan, but a huge Ken Griffey Jr. fan, and I suppose I gravitated towards football for the team aspect, and that was when I really started becoming more of a fan of the team's but I also was a jersey collector, had every jersey you could think of back then, like Charles Woodson, Warwick Dunn, the list goes on and on and on. Ricky Williams for the Saints was one of my favorite jerseys. But 
that was my first experience with heartbreak because I think that was the year my brother talked about on the podcast previously a couple weeks ago when he gave me that Miami Dolphins starter jacket. I think that was the year after I got that jacket. So I was like, all right, well, now I'm a Dolphins fan. And I remember going to my stepdad's house at the time and he didn't have cable. He was like one of those, you know, doesn't watch TV, reads books, really a weird guy, right? No, I'm just kidding. But, but seriously, that's weird to me. And he didn't have a TV, so we didn't get a chance to watch the game that was on TV, but we listened to it on the radio, and I was so pumped that the Dolphins were going to win this game and advance on to the playoffs, and then to hear Stoyo's field goal go wide, it was just, uh, it was it was heartbreaking for a little kid, but I don't recall that heartbreak as well as I do some of these other games, and that's why I'm going to give you three more examples of total heartbreak in recent Dolphins history. We go forward to 2002 at the New England Patriots. If the Dolphins win that game, they win the AFC East. They go on to the playoffs the year after the Patriots won their first Super Bowl and probably the best Dolphins team we have assembled in a long, long time. That Ricky Williams-led team with Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, on and on and on. And number two defense in the NFL that year with a top leading rusher in the NFL. The Dolphins were up by 11 with four minutes to go. They blew that lead, lose the game in overtime, lose out on the playoffs, and it's been all hell ever since. The other one, the 2013 finale at the New York, or home for the New York Jets, I should say, when the Dolphins got smoked by the Jets 20-7. to It was just never really a close game. They never really had a chance to win that game. All they had to do was win that game or the game previously in Buffalo to go to the playoffs. They choked so very hard in both of those games. And then just for the hell of it, because it's late and I threw these on the end of the list, I put the Colts and Bengals games as a as a compilation on the list from this season, just because they had 14 point lead at the end of the third quarter in that Bengals game. And they had a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter of the Colts game. And they found a way to blow both of those. And if they win one of those, I think the energy at the end of the season might've been different. They could have made a playoff push. Adam Gaze is probably still here, which I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's what it would have been. And at the time, those games were absolutely deflating because the Colts game would have been a great push towards the playoffs would have pushed the Dolphins to 6-5 and five before those wins against the Bills and Patriots. And then, of course, back against the Bengals in Week 5, the Dolphins were 3-1, and one, could have moved to 4-1 and one after five weeks. That would have been a great spot to be in. So the Dolphins, we are no stranger as fans to this team of misery. And I hope, I think, with the next three years, that quarterback class going over that article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, I think the suffering could be over soon. But, of course, we have tons of work to do before we get to that point. And we'll talk about it here on the podcast. But as for this podcast today, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fence. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Close it!